So, Mark, got a got a sad one to start off the episode this week. Oh goodness. Guess who died today? Okay, so I feel like I know the answer. I hope that I know the answer that you're going for because I did actually that Michael it. Collins died, right? Yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure if this was going to be a weird bait and switch and then I'd be the one telling you that Michael Collins died and it would get really awkward. That would have been really sad. Yeah. Because <laughs> what if I was planning to do like a bait and switch and be like, my happiness died today. <laughs> and then you just hit me with that. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. One of the loneliest men in history died. No, no. People get old. Yeah. I, uh, I'm glad. Here's what I have to say is I am glad that I reached the age where I was able to know and retain the information that Michael Collins was the third astronaut in that Apollo mission. Mm-hmm. because I'd feel a lot worse if it, you know, I came across the news and it was like, yeah, he was the third guy. And you're like, oh, now I'm part of the large group of people who didn't know that there's a third guy. <laughs> yeah. And he's he's part of the more exclusive club. True. There's been like 24 people who've been on the moon surface or, or 22 or something. Mm-hmm. No, not that many. I mean, more, yeah. I, I suppose it depends on how you're going to define your more exclusive club. But I, I would I would argue that he at least had the more taxing job. Or like like that's a, a very stressful job in terms of not oh, yeah. getting to go. Like Neil and Buzz at least had each other one way or another. They got to go do that cool thing. And Michael mm-hmm. ha- had to be the one to just not. <laughs> well, and he had the job of like, hey, what if like the lunar ascent rockets don't work? Because like this is something that has never been tested before. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, you get to go home alone now. Yep. No, but so the exclusive club that I was describing was the command and service module pilots in the Apollo missions. So they are each one of those astronauts who were part of not Apollo 13. Any any of the Apollo missions that actually landed people on the moon were are the only people in all of human history to be able to look in a single direction and see in their field of vision every person on in existence. If you imagine they can see through things, obviously. Sure. Because they are the only person to be able to see the moon where the two astronauts are and then all of Earth. I understand the point that you're getting at. But again, the way that you phrased it is really poor because anyone on the opposite side of the Earth during a lunar eclipse or solar eclipse can see the same thing if you imagine that they can see through things. What? Can you explain what you're trying to say? Cause well, it because makes what no you're sense. saying, what you're claiming is he can see everyone because he, he has the particular vantage point of being able to see the people around him and people on the Earth. Right? Yes. Yes? So yeah. there is nobody with him, and so in so his So he can field... see the people? Okay, yeah, so if, when there's no one with him, he can see the people on the moon, he can see the people on Earth. But but your very throwaway comment is, well, of course not everyone is concentrated on the half of the Earth that he can see, so we're imagining that he can see through things, right? Yes. So now imagine you... imagine that you draw a line from the moon through Michael to the back to the opposite side of the earth that he has to see through. If someone is standing there, then they can then they also have the exact same line of sight in a certain no, sense. Because somebody is not tall enough for in their field of vision to be all the people on the surface of the earth around them immediately. They don't have to be. 
that was exactly how I defined the mm, okay. I, I guess statement. I see. What, okay, I guess I see what you're saying. Fair enough. I I still think that it's sort of a, a weird description. Uh, <laughs> I described it poorly, uh-huh. but that doesn't take away from, in essence, what it is. Yeah. The only person to be capable of taking a single photograph that encompasses all the people in the world within the square boundary of the outside of that photograph. I feel like you should just go for what it is of like, one way or another, he was still one of very few people who was just in this general position of being the the commander um, or whatever the t- particular term is that you said. I forget. Command module pilot. Yes, command module pilot. Like, I, I think that that is enough to get the point across. But I, but I understand what you're saying. So it's enough to get the point across, even though you already said most people didn't even know there was a command module pilot. I'm saying that you don't need to add the extra detail of attempting to explain this whole, like, see all of humanity in one, like, single glance type of thing. Okay, that's fine. So I'm not allowed to describe things how I like them now because it's just the Mark show? That's not what I'm saying. Well, you're saying that I shouldn't have described it the way that I chose to describe it because it's the way that I like to describe it. Let's not soil the this this evening with with debate. Let us. Oh, it's already soiled. I crapped uh, my let, pants let us like two minutes ago. Michael Collins, in whatever way works the best for either of us, I, I appreciate your description. <laughs> no, you don't. Don't and lie I'm to me. I'm glad that it resonates with you. I no, I do. Like I, I appreciate the point that you're getting at. It's just a very confusing way of describing things. But I get the I get the point that you're driving at, and it is cool. I've been watching. I think I did tell you this. I've been watching Lost in Space. Oh yeah, you were telling me about that. Yeah. How's that been going? It's good. I I feel like it's I like going back to space shows because part of me misses being ex- as excited about space as I used to be. Mm-hmm. Like I don't have I I don't consume that type of media too much and i don't often have conversations about it and so any excitement that i had about space in general whether grounded in reality or science fiction is not something that i have like spare brain cycles to work on like i did when i was a little kid with nothing better to do Uh uh-huh i like being able to enjoy that experience and wonder like again and it sort of prompts that part of me again to really just be excited about space in in mm-hmm. a lot of different ways. And, and even though science fiction is, of course, fiction, it's a bit silly at times. I think it does the best in trying to draw out that excitement in me than any number of like, you know, Neil deGrasse Tyson Cosmos specials about big things in space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really don't want this to become the Grant and Mark nitpick at each other's wording episode, but I'm really curious about your choice of wording wording of brain cycles. What is a brain cycle? Uh, similar to a, um, what am I trying to think of? Like a bicycle? No, no, no. I, I no a, a cycle in terms of a like computers. A, yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, like okay. like like a brain cycle is like a. Uh, processing cycle or whatever, whatever the equivalent term would be in computing. So let's call it brain uptime. <laughs> brain brain uptime. Brain yes. processing. Yo, if we were like superheroes who used our brain to solve like crimes and like fight evil, would that be like our 
like suit up catchphrase like brain up <laughs> it's brain up time <laughs> that we should submit that to marvel as the uh uh alternative catchphrase for professor x yes every time he goes into his big metal orb thing he just goes all right everyone brain up <laughs> it's xavier time <laughs> oh that'd be wonderful it would be i bet they'd pay us royalties if they chose to do it and by a bet they would it's a bet that I would lose. Yeah, I feel like that would have to be the, the James McAvoy version of Professor X, though. Yeah. I feel like that doesn't quite fit with Patrick Stewart's whole deal. <laughs> yeah, I don't think so. But I feel like McAvoy could make it happen somehow. Probably have to be a little bit less intense than we've been trying to make it, but... Yeah, it would probably have to be a bit more like uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's Mr. Freeze. They'd have to make some really campy X-Men movies. <laughs> oh, gosh. I... I dropped some uh, Mr. Freeze quotes today. <laughs> Is that why you greeted me with that? <laughs> yeah, because I wanted to make sure that you knew what it was. Oh, I do. Because <laughs> I felt stupid because every time I did it, nobody had any idea what I was talking about. They just thought I was making weird comments, which I guess like kind of fits my persona a lot of the time, so it's not uh-huh. that big of a deal. It didn't stand out too much, but... You didn't. You didn't ask yeah. them to to explain why they aren't familiar with George Clooney's most famous role. <laughs> yeah, or Arnold Schwarzenegger's, or Arnold Schwarzenegger's, Indeed. or anybody else in that movie who you have never heard of. I mean, I would say that Ice to Meet You is even slightly more uh, useful and frequent of a phrase to use than I'll Be Bach. Yeah, because like. Especially in the northernmost United States, like, because how many times do you meet someone for this first time and it's winter? Mm-hmm. Like, that's a great opportunity. Yeah. Make some friends, have some hot cocoa. Maybe I should start dropping more obscure references that people don't know. Just to, like, that'd be my, like, quirky thing about me, you know? Like, I'm the, I'm the weird references dude. Like, I'll start <laughs> dropping, like, Shakespeare references. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Double, <laughs> double, double toil and trouble. Uh, something, something, Macbeth. How dare you? I feel like if you do the the you know, particularly that first line, you're not doing an obscure reference insofar as people haven't heard it. Yeah, you know, like then you have to be the obnoxious guy who's like, oh, but do you know where that's from? <laughs> yeah, but maybe the quirky thing is I never explain it, so you'd never know if it's just me being a weirdo or like. A reference that you don't get. I, I like that we're exploring your like sitcom character, <laughs> right? Like sitcom characters have a thing. Real people don't typically have a thing. Uh, they may have a thing at certain times. Like you could have a thing for this podcast, but I, I think it would be very strange if you just made that your thing. And it would also make conversations with you very infuriating. Yeah. Oh, what? Like, conversations with me aren't already very infuriating? Come on, Mark. Well, you know, it's something I can handle (laughs) now. Yeah. Yeah. So do you really think that most people don't have a thing? Not in that sort of way. Okay. Like, that's such a a very specific thing. Mm Mm-hmm. Everyone has, you know, secret weird things that they do. Uh, as another one, another podcast that I listen to likes to describe it, but that is typically, you know, not visible. Mm-hmm. I think, I think, in my experience, most people, when you just see them around, are pretty normal and boring 
whatever. Some people might have a more obvious thing, but I think I think the majority of people don't have quote-unquote things until you start to get to know them. And then it's very specific things in oh. very specific specific circumstances, right? Like that's 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 the fun thing about a lot of relationships like with Aaron and I. We've known each other a long long enough that there are very specific things that are idiosyncrasies that we know about each other that other people wouldn't know. And those are things but not but but things that are suppressible in in good company. <laughs> let's mm-hmm. say or just patterns that you wouldn't really latch on to if you weren't around someone a lot, right? Mhm. So yeah, I I don't think you need a thing. And if you do, it should not be making obscure references in general. You'd have to narrow it down. It'd have to be obscure references to Batman movies. Yeah, but there's not enough. I'd run out of eventually. And then I'm just the dude who keeps repeating the same phrase. That's ridiculous. If only by the example of the prequel memes, there's always another thing to push together. That's a very good point. I shouldn't argue against that one. No, you should not. All right. Let's go. Wowza, what was that? That was a clap. Is that to give you yourself a... Just to wake you up. Oh, oh, it's to wake me up? Yeah, Why? Because you, you think go, go. That, you think that Eek by Scott Nickel wouldn't wake me up? Or is it Eck? <laughs> Eck? Eek? I don't know. We're, we're going to go with Eek! So the scene opens, and there's, there's two birds standing in in front of some trees. Um... One of them is clearly proudly speaking to the other who is kind of taken aback and almost confused or caught off guard. The bird speaking proudly is beckoning towards one of the trees in the background, which has a, I'm going to call it a, a decorative plaque on it of some sort with a honestly horrendously large earthworm on said plaque. And he's proudly staying I had to get up real early to get this one. I had to wake up real early to get this one. Wow. I messed up one of the few words. (laughs) It's really tough. Only 11 words. Already messed up two of them. Hey, that's that's like over 80%. I take it. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Bees get degrees. Heck yeah, they do. Um, so I wanted to revisit a topic for perhaps the first time ever. Several weeks ago now, we just barely started touching on the topic of things like paintings and pictures on your wall, or on walls in general. Hmm. And in particular, I think, if my memory serves, what got you very excited, but I declared that we did not have time to discuss was how you would go about choosing new things to hang up. How, how would you find new art that you are happy with, <laughs> given the art that you're sort of used to from growing up or whatever else? So I wanted to take this time to explore that topic again, or or just the more general topic of ornamentation. But I'm curious why that struck <laughs> such a chord with you. That is, honestly, Mark, I think that's a wonderful thing to be curious about. I am also quite curious about this. Um, do you have a reference for this episode in time so we could listen back <laughs> so I could <laughs> remind I, myself I'm, why I'm I was so I'm giving you all the context that I can. Okay, I, I was. I, I don't remember all the context, but I was talking about how um, I was asking you whether you hang things up on your wall, whether you have pictures or paintings or whatever, how um, 
I don't have much and how growing up, you know, all the paintings that we had were paintings like basically from my, from my grandpa or a couple of like pictures of stuff. Like there's a certain style that I'm used to and I can't even imagine how to go about picking out art just out of nowhere that I would feel happy having on my walls. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm curious about your current state of affairs and how you would go about finding new art that you would be happy with. Okay. So my current state of affairs is uh, wishing I had more and trying to trying to learn and discover my taste. I guess that's mm. probably why I was excited about it because it's something that I've been like slowly working on. Uh, not one of those like, become obsessed with this goals and like focus on it intensely in order to complete it as quick as possible. More the like, Oh, when I see it and I think about it, I'll think about it for a couple of seconds extra. Oh yeah. You don't want to add a art collector along with a woodworker on your Tinder profile or anything. <laughs> yeah. Nah, not, n- not really. And I, and I don't want like <laughs> an art collector. I don't think is like a term that I would like. It's more of like, just trying to figure out kind of what do I like about spaces that I live in and like, how do I like them aesthetically to be? And then how do I build that aesthetic um, is something that I've been like learning. And it's something that feels silly to say I've been learning about because it feels like it should be something that you just like, know, like, Oh, do I like that or not? But maybe I just make it too hard, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I don't feel like it's natural. At least not for me. It doesn't like, just like come to me. It's something I have to, like, think about. Yeah, that's interesting. Especially, so, when you're thinking about this, if you come across some piece of art, are you thinking about it in a vacuum or about in the space that you're in or about the space that you would try to put it? So, all of the above kind of play a factor. And I think maybe part of why it's something that doesn't feel natural to me is because I don't naturally think about all of them at once. But at the end of the day, once I have, if I have chosen something and put it in my space and I'm living with it, often if I chose it for just one of those reasons, like, oh, I just like really like it in and of itself or, oh, I think it would look great in the space, but I'm not thinking about if I like it or not. Like if I only choose it based on one factor, the other ones are probably going to be crap and I'm going <laughs> to overall end up not liking it. Interesting. And so it's just like a balancing act and like trying to learn how to do that balancing act when... Whenever it, I don't know, the opportunity presents itself. So what's... Also, like... Good. Well, I was just going to say, like, generally, like, figuring out, like, what do I want the space that I live to look like? What... Maybe look like isn't the right word. Like, how do I want it to feel or, like, make... Spaces don't feel things, though. Like, how do I want it to make me feel? I don't mm-hmm. know. Cause, because the design of physical spaces elicits emotion. Agreed. Maybe you're okay. I thought you were going to just like rail me and be like, no, it doesn't. Rah, rah, rah. I don't know. I'm, I'm an emotionally in touch person. Okay. 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 Sorry. I didn't mean to like judge you there or something. <laughs> um, Where were we at? You got me real caught off guard. <laughs> well, let me, let me just ask you a very specific question. What art procurement have you done recently? Because you make it sound like you actually have made efforts to buy things or obtain things to put in your house. So what does that look like? Um, I'm going to be honest. I haven't done a bunch of like actual procurement recently. Okay. So most of it's like 
I have stuff that I've had for a while, hmm. like since the very end of college. So like by very end of college, I mean like, so things that are like pictures or something that I like that were printed inexpensively and framed as inexpensively as possible. So these are still things like, these aren't like posters that are just up on a wall, but they are things that are not, I'm going to say like aesthetically clean or nice or durable. Hmm. And so it's kind of like more of a process of like eliminating some of those things. Cause I am not liking it anymore. Or like I'm noticing flaws with it. And then the process of trying to replace it, but both being picky and cheap and so having not replaced it yet. Sure. The other thing that kind of goes along with it is more generally, not just like art and wall art, but like furniture and things like that in rooms and kind of what they look like, mm-hmm. as well as other sorts of like decoration. So like lamps and curtains and plants and shelves and mm-hmm. books and like anything that both takes up space in and like decorates a space. Interesting. So let's put out a hypothetical mm-hmm. that that you have decided that you did want to get something new or replace something. Would you try and think about what would go there or what you would like beforehand? Or would you just start go uh, spelunking around at whatever you know whatever type of thing you might you might have in mind just start looking at stuff until something sort of grabs you wait were you asking what do i do or what would i do well either or I, what like, should this, I this do? is why i previously asked what is your sort of what is obtaining ah. stuff looked like for you in the past because it wasn't clear to me whether you have actually done anything actionable or if everything we're talking about is completely hypothetical yeah so i I feel like me going out and like purposefully looking for things isn't that useful because I end up spending so much time to like not find things that I like. I feel like the more efficient way for me is to go out and develop a stronger sense of what I like and what I don't like and why I like it and don't like it so that then when I eventually just happen to stumble across something that I do like, it's easier for me to recognize it. Mm-hmm. And then just like be able to just like go right then and there and capitalize on that kind of find or whatever you want to call it. So th- I think most of what I've done recently is trying to learn and understand my own taste because like, I don't know, maybe this is silly to say being I haven't really lived at home in like six years. Like I've been living in my own spaces for like six years, but I still don't like know what I like. Cause I've never thought about it before until mm-hmm. like the past year and a half. Cause I think maybe like growing up, I was in a space where like it was my parents' house and like it was decorated by not me. Yeah. <laughs> and then like throughout most of college, it's just like, you have so many limitations on what you can do that. I think it never lended itself to me like making decisions. Cause it's just like, Oh Yeah. I have like a small room and these are the only furnitures that I can have. And these are the only ways that I can arrange them. And thus it only leaves these tiny spots to put things on walls. Sure. I guess most of the things I've been doing recently have been like learning what I like and what I don't like, especially with regards to furniture and stuff like that. That's interesting. Yeah. 
What about what about you with decorating spaces? Do you have strong thoughts and opinions? A strong sense of style? Not really. I uh, I, I do find it interesting when you're talking about you know you've lived alone now for a while, so have I. Um, obviously, until moving in with Aaron and not getting a good idea of what you like, you know, as as has been mentioned on this podcast many a time, the state of my San Diego apartment made it very clear that I didn't know what I wanted, nor did I care. Mm-hmm. But for my desk specifically, because I spend so much time there, I do have a very good sense of what I want around my desk, how I want things organized, all that sort of stuff. Like I have an aesthetic that I have gone for and that I currently enjoy a lot mm-hmm. um, so, so in that like microcosm i can start to understand uh how to branch out from there a little bit you know like uh, part of the thing that i i may have mentioned the last time we talked about this is in our current apartment there's a huge window in the living room and so that's whatever there's a tv on one wall so that's whatever the third wall of the living room is not or the third a third side of the living room opens out into the kitchen so that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. But then the final wall opposite the TV is where our couch is. And there's just a big white nothingness above it. Mm. And so Aaron and I both agree that we want something there. <laughs> mm-hmm. We think we want a big, like, canvas print of some sort. Oh. Aaron has a couple of her dogs that we both really like. We like that style of, like, a canvas print. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we think we just want a really big one of something. Mm-hmm. But we're still, like, because, you know, it's a bit expensive. Uh, we want it to be a picture that we both like. We both think we want it to be a picture that, that we or a friend has taken of somewhere that means mm. something to us. And, and so, like, we sort of narrow in on that idea, but I'm not even sure that that's, like, exactly what we want either. Mm-hmm. So so it's been interesting. Every once in a while, we'll, we'll think about it again. Uh, we haven't made any concrete progress I can imagine us trying to do something very specific this summer, though. So so that's mm-hmm. been the most recent thing. And really the only time that I very specifically thought about that. Because everything else, all the other decorations that I have, have been more or less gifted to me. Like pictures that Aaron has given me, a picture yep. that I've had since, like, childhood. Uh, that was, um, I always had it in my bedroom. It's just sort of traveled with me throughout college and now out of college. So it's just always somewhere. Um, right now it's out in our sort of entryway where a bookshelf is. Mm-hmm. So, so I've never had a need to make any concrete decisions about all that sort of stuff. So it definitely is interesting trying to think about it and, and yeah, making the conscious decision of do I like this? Do I like it for where it's going to be? Because what you pointed out was, or what, or what you claimed was that if you, let's say, chose something that you dislike this, then if you just put it in a space, you may not like it in the space, even if you like the thing. Yeah. But I, I feel like there's a lot to be said for liking something in a space, even if you don't super like the thing. Yes. Like, yes. I think that that's way more okay of a situation to be in. Like, there's lots of items that like, oh, I don't really love that item necessarily but like it totally fits there it's totally fine yeah Yeah. and so that way it just blends and it becomes part of the background which is totally fine it's having a desired effect yeah yes exactly and i think you've much more clearly stated what i was trying to 
get across of like trying to build i don't want to i feel like build an aesthetic is like <laughs> just a phrase that feels icky on my like in my mouth mm-hmm. but i guess it kind of gets across somewhat what i think because like a lot of the things that i have i like the things but mm-hmm. like they don't go together or like i think about something that i would like to get like i want to get a new coffee table but when i see coffee tables and i look at them i'm like oh i like that one and i like that one but like neither of those at all would go with any of the other things that i own mm-hmm. and so i wouldn't like them because it would be weird yeah which is an aesthetic to be yes. fair uh, one possible aesthetic is i like each of these individual items their togetherness be damned right like <laughs> i just like each of these things so i'm going to have each of these things mm-hmm. that's how my parents house was for a very long time it was always a very funny thing that we had this wild coffee table made out of gnarled roots and a big heavy glass top on it mm-hmm. we had that we had this old red couch that looked not like you're not old but like old in terms of like my lifetime uh, we had had it growing up and it just it wasn't super great it's just this kind of boring reddish color we had that. We had a white armchair from like the 40s or 50s or something. Uh, we had a rocking chair. And then amongst all that, we had a homemade like light wooden TV stand that my dad had made. All of this in a single room. <laughs> and like mm-hmm. there's no there's no aesthetic there. It doesn't make sense. But it's like it was just my parents' house. It just sort of came to be that way. And so you just sort of get used to it. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't it doesn't have to be all nicely appointed versus, you know, Aaron wanted to make a much uh, stronger attempt at matching uh, the stuff in our living room. Mm-hmm. So we have a neutral gray couch and then a lot of light wood, um, like a coffee table and a TV stand and her desk and all this sort of stuff. Mm. I like those colors. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, they're they're very much not colors, so it's pretty easy to match them up. Yeah. Light, like light wood with dark. Yeah. Or with gray couch. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it, it is interesting. Also, part of me feels kind of icky when I think about it, which is why initially I was, you know, a bit stubborn about <laughs> everything. Mm-hmm. When Aaron and I were moving in, of, of worrying about all this stuff. <laughs> but, you know, I, I, I can appreciate it. Like, I, I want a space to be helpful. And, and if nothing else, if it doesn't matter to me, but it matters to Aaron, then Aaron wins. Mm-hmm. Like if it's, it's not like I vehemently disagree that things should be coordinated in any way. <laughs> yeah. It's just that I don't have a lot of skin in the game of working really hard to make it that way mm-hmm. on my own. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, the canvas print thing. I still like that idea. We have a few pictures that we have in mind that we've each taken. Aaron, Aaron has a couple of really good pictures, but I pointed out, that it won't fly that she took the pictures in portrait, not in landscape. Mm. Because we need it to be in landscape the way that everything's yes. shaped. And Aaron's like, well, we can just crop it. I was like, well, we can't crop a portrait picture into landscape because then the resolution is going to be really bad. And when you blow it up to like 36 inches or 40 inches, it's going to look terrible. Yeah, it'll be a potato canvas. <laughs> exactly. So, But that's an aesthetic in and of itself. Pixelated. Well, yeah, well, More, luckily we both agree that we don't want that aesthetic. <laughs> yeah. You really have to make it intentional for it to work. <laughs> yeah. 
On a totally side note, do you have ever one of those days or one of those like hours where your nose just feels incredibly dry for no reason? Oh, yes. Yeah, I'm having that right now. It's really frustrating. Oh, I'm very sorry. Uh, okay. Do you want to go like boil a cup of water or something and then just like... Uh, it's all right. Huff it while we're, we record? We're almost done. Okay. I just poured a little water from my water bottle into my hand and shoved it on my nose. Wait, a little bit. did you just snort water? You know that's no, not... I didn't. I didn't snort water. I, I like had uh, some water on my hand and I sort of rubbed it on my nose. Around oh, my wait. nose. Are you talking about on the outside or the inside? More around the outside. Oh. A tiny bit on the inside, but yeah, I didn't like snort <laughs> water. It's not like my sinuses. It's like the outside of my nose is very dry. Okay. No, I haven't had that experience. I've had the like inside of my nose feel dry, no, so that's like, what I thought. It's like the skin imme- immediately inside and outside <laughs> my nose, like uh, like the the entrance to my nose. Ah. just feels so, very dry, and I, and so I have orifice. this every once in a while. Okay. Very frustrating. Yes, I'm glad we're on the same page now. That's, I mean, bo- that boiling sounds water and sticking my face in the steam would probably still help this issue, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to do that right now. Maybe we'll have some tea after, though. Mm. That sounds nice. Aaron got, uh, when we were in Washington, Aaron got huckleberry tea at a gift <gasps> shop. Ooh. Wait, are, are huckleberries real berries? I'm trying to remember. Or is that bumbleberries? Yes. Huckleberries are real, bumbleberries are fake? I believe so. I mean, I'm pretty sure huckleberries are real. Huckleberry plant. Huckleberry is a name used in North America for several plants in the family Ericus. Whatever. Apparently, it's the state fruit of Idaho. But yes, it's a real thing. Okay. okay. My uncle used to send us lots of huckleberry things from Washington. Mm. Gosh, I shouldn't have Googled this. Why? Because pies came up. Oh. I Googled bumbleberry to see if it was real. It's and just then- a mix of berries right it's just all bumbleberry pies and they all look delicious yeah yeah they do i'm Maybe sorry my mom will make me a pie while i'm at home Ooh. she said she called me the other day and told me that she was making a trial run of a dessert so that she's gonna keep it a secret Ooh. <laughs> yeah man it's probably like uh 20 something child pie She's just going to chop you up and put you in a pie. That's why it's a secret. She doesn't want you to know that she's going to bake you into the dessert. Grant has brought Marmaduke by Brad Anderson. And we have the titular Marmaduke sitting in the passenger seat of a car, his head leaning out of the window uh, with keys in his mouth leaning away from a very angry woman in the driver's seat who's trying to reach at the keys. And the uh, uh, woman is yelling, Okay, Marm, you can ride shotgun. Just give me the keys. Ha! Oh, Marmaduke. What a scamp. That's right. Yeah, he's got them keys. Mark, do you you like keys? How do you feel about keys? Do you want to... Just telling Aaron last week how uh, I have, for I don't remember how this came about, but I have a collection of keys back home in Minnesota, probably thirty to forty keys on a big, on a giant keychain altogether. Are you joking or is this real? I'm I'm totally serious. If you remind me, I'll send you a picture of it when I get back to Minnesota. Uh, what? But yeah, please I've explain had them for years. 
I have no they... idea. I, I feel like at some point I must have just gotten the keychain. Maybe I found a bunch of keys. Maybe I bought it for 25 cents at a garage sale or something because I was like eight. Who knows? But at some point I procured a large number of keys all in one fell swoop on this keychain. Okay, so they all came together. Some of them. A large number of them. But over time, as I've had other keys, I would add them. Mm-hmm. Not a lot. Uh, one here or there, but there's definitely a few that definitely would be for something that I had been to before in my life. The vast majority are complete nonsense keys to me. I have no idea where they came from. What, where they came from. I don't really know why I st- still have them, but they just sit in the top drawer of my dresser alongside the rock collection that I have and some newspaper clippings and stuff. Although I actually don't know where those are going to be. My, uh, no, wait, no. My little sister was going to take my dresser, but I don't remember if she ended up taking it. I think she ended up buying one. So. Something to better fit her aesthetic? Yeah, the dresser's pretty old. It wouldn't really fit anyone's aesthetic other than my son moved out aesthetic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that's okay. uh, that's what I got to say about keys, wow, I suppose. I didn't, I didn't know you were going to be such a big fan of keys or a big <laughs> uh, collector of keys. kind of right. threw me off, and I'm trying to remember where I was planning to take this exactly. Because I want to talk about now physical keys, even though the whole purpose of this was not to do that. But, um, <laughs> talk about like, whatever do you, you want. Do you have, like, opinions on keys like, do you like certain types of, like, are you a, ooh, I like some, like, big, old, like, heavily patinaed key that's probably useless and easy to pick the lock for? Or do you like a, a sleek, new, freshly cut key? Hmm. I think I like car keys because they're symmetric. Okay. That's just that's just a nice feature to me. Other than that, I, I just don't like when keys are just hard to get started. Like, I know that this key goes to this lock, but I just can't seem to get it in the stupid mm. lock. Mm-hmm. That's always very frustrating to me. Like, like the key is the only mechanism. Like, like you don't need to make it hard for me to get the key inside the lock. The point yeah. is to just have the key. Once I have the key, it should be very easy. Yeah, and a, a good key should be easy, because... It should be easy once you have it, and hard if you don't. Yeah. But that, that that doesn't mean I approve of the sort of semi-natural extension of that, which is all of the RFID keys. Okay, here we go. Because I have had issues with those. I've seen issues with people's cars who only have a push-button start where you need to have the key there. That just frustrates me. Yep. Um. I've had issues with apartments that only have a little fob, um, all that sort of stuff. It, it seems to be a little less problematic with uh, the doors where it's just, you know, it's like a double door thing. And it's a very simple locking mechanism that is not like a deadbolt or anything. You're just doing a little something to click open a lock mm-hmm. uh, to like get into a building. Those have always been pretty solid for me, but definitely the ones that seemed pretty popular around campus at, at Minnesota of, you know, you have the little fob that you like press into a circle and then it's supposed to like unlock your dead, your deadbolt. Mm. Those could get real finicky. So I'm not, I'm not a huge fan of those. I think there's probably still improvement 
to be had there. Mm-hmm. So like, like I don't mind a physical key. I'm not super against having those items on me. I'm, I'm glad that I don't have to have a lot of them. I only need three, really, which is fine if I needed a lot more like I used to. It might be a bit more annoying, but yeah, they're fine. Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you think physical keys are, are something that'll be in the future? Or do you think keys are destined to die out? I think it's going to take the overthrow of most governments for physical mechanisms of anything to stop existing. Like That's like asking, is are paper copies ever going to stop existing? Well, no, they aren't. Because there's always going to be a desire to have that complete fallback option, no uh-huh. matter what. Uh-huh. And I feel the same about keys. 